Hello, everyone. Welcome to a brand new edition of the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. I'm your host, Dominic Vogel, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Christian Redshaw. Uh, uh, today, we are very excited to have a uh, repeat guest. I'm actually trying to remember how many. One of the few. One of the few. Um, uh, Diego uh, Mutat, thank you again for joining us uh, from CEO of uh, CypherCore. You are among the few who have come twice onto the show. So thank you uh, so much for joining us for a sec- second time. How are you doing today? Well, thank you. Thank you very much. It's a, it's a privilege. I, I love this show. <laughs> thank you so much. Well, we're, we're, we're thrilled that you're here again. So what I'm thinking is we'll start really broad and then we'll get really narrow. So in the broader cybersecurity picture, the, the landscape, uh, what's going on right now out there? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, there is, uh, there's a lot happening, right? I mean, we're uh, seeing... Uh, uh, so if, I guess I guess a lot of things. So one is we're seeing a lot more breaches. Um, so uh, we've seen uh, major companies being breached. You don't hear about the smaller ones, but you hear a lot about the major ones. You thought maybe, well, that's going to stop, but it hasn't at all. In, in Canada, we've seen uh, LCBO, which is the Liquor Control Board of uh, Ontario. Uh, they were breached. Uh, um, Sobey's owner, uh, Empire, massive uh, grocery store, uh, um, they, they were breached. Uh, even sick kids of Ontario, uh, you know, down south, we've seen LastPass, U.S. Marshals, and even Indigo. You know, the owners of uh, chapters they're breached, and their official website is not even back online. Um, so we're continuing to see um, the landscape from a threat perspective to be quite strong uh, in, uh, in when it comes to cyber. Uh, and then on the other side, we're seeing a lot more activity uh, from a lot um, sort of greater forces that are. Uh, trying to move the bar of uh, cybersecurity controls. Um, just today, uh, the uh, uh, in the United States, the Biden administration has released their national security uh, strategy uh, for uh, uh, for the U.S. and that's that's of great importance because uh, the uh, uh, w- the Canadian government will certainly be watching, uh, industry in the U.S. will certainly be watching, and it's going to cause uh, big ripple effects into how uh, cyber is going to be taken, you know, in the next decades to come. Appreciate you breaking that down. And as I as I look at you and I think about our last conversation, I'm thinking about cyber insurance. Um, what do you see going on in the cyber insurance picture right now? Is there are there any breaking developments happening or any evolutions happening there that you're seeing? Yeah. So is cyber insurance. So multi factor is becoming uh, table stakes. I mean, it used to be that. Uh, 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 cyber insurance are saying, okay, now you need to protect your remote uh, access. Now you need to protect your email. Now they're moving down. They're saying, now you need to protect your privilege access. Now you need to protect access access to your machines. You, so eventually they're going to say you just need it everywhere. But we're seeing that happening. So every few months, you just see the scope of MFA requirement just uh, increasing. And we get every week, we get Many companies coming to us saying, hey, we're trying to get a cyber insurance renewal. Uh, it's usually the last minute because they don't expect these new requirements uh, to come down. It's not really their top of mind. Uh, and, you know, can, can you help us? Because we're not going to be able to get the cyber insurance renewal if, uh, uh, if we don't put these, uh, you know, program in, in place. The problem is that some organizations, of course, uh, you, you know, you wouldn't want to run your organization without uh, this type of insurance. But some organizations are not permitted to operate without that type of insurance. Um, so it's uh, it's quite important. So we are seeing that uh, cyber insurance still continues to be a big force to try to uplift uh, everyone's cybersecurity posture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see that too. And before I pass it over to Dominic, I just have uh, one more question for you. I'm hoping it, uh, I'm going to get a tip of the day 
a cybersecurity tip of the day. So with this insurance situation and things tightening there with all these breaches happening, with cybersecurity becoming potentially more complicated for small and mid-sized businesses, what's one thing that an SMB can practically do? What would be your number one tip? That's the thing, right? It, it seems like there's a lot that has to be done, you know, and, uh, and for a small company, it seems even more daunting. Uh, we actually just went through an ISO 27001 certification, uh, and that's very uh, comprehensive. And But the thing is that if you're a small organization, you do not need to go through a certification like that in order to protect yourself. And we think, and of course, maybe selfishly, but we do believe that uh, multi-factor authentication is a good place to start. Just turning it on in the services where maybe it's already available, you don't need to deploy new uh, software, just have it on and you're going to get a massive uh, increase in protection um, for um, you know maybe a limited cost and a limited uh, uh, time investment. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where we, I would say you get your biggest bang for buck. Wherever you can uh, turn on MFA, just turn it on. Diego, I, want, I wanted to quickly ask you about uh, LastPass. I know you mentioned it among the you know, litany of <laughs> data breaches and yeah. companies that have been uh, in, in the news for all the wrong reasons recently. Um, I'm curious, again, because that is a security company compared to you know, uh, Indigo as an example, um, has that sent any ripple effects from, to consumers in terms of password managers? Do they see something like LastPass, you know, a, you know, a market leader like LastPass being compromised to the level that they were? And are people losing confidence in tool, security tools or even things like secure, uh, password managers? It's tough, right? I mean, that's very tough. I mean, already the fact that a consumer has to have a password manager is quite difficult. You know, I have to remember 20 passwords. You know, LastPass was uh, one of the first ones to kind of bring it to a consumer level. And it just shows that security is not easy. I mean, uh, and that eventually there's a, there's a famous quote from an FBI a director that said, you know, there's only two types of companies, the ones that uh, have been breached and the ones that haven't been breached yet. Uh, and so... I think that uh, certainly businesses will look at, uh, you know, should we be trusting cloud-based solutions uh, for, for password management? Um, you know, how do we mitigate those, um, uh, uh, you know, when they're down or, or if they're breached or if there's compromises? But ultimately, compromises are going to happen. And what you need are solutions that are just adaptable uh, uh, to that and give the tools to the end users that... Uh, 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 you know, when you, um, e even though there is a breach, it doesn't mean everything is compromised. You know, here's a tool that you can kind of get everything back or, you know, because what will happen, everyone will go to the next, uh, password manager, they'll eventually get breached. And then you go, you, you so it's, it's just an ongoing uh, cycle. So it's just a matter of how can we get the right tools in place and just design them in a way that even if there are breaches like this, we can uh, uh, you know, recover from them and, and give the confidence. Because people are still going to use online accounts. There's nothing stopping them from, uh, from doing that. For, you know? for sure. And, and looking at, you know, we've been talking about multi-factor authentication, M MFA. Um, and even with something like that, not all MFA is created equal. I'm wondering if you could just paint a high-level picture to again, the mainly non-technical audience. Uh, like are certain types of MFA better? You know, because a lot of people are familiar with like the SMS-based uh, MFA. Um, and, you know, arguably some F MFA is better than no MFA. I'm wondering if you could maybe just sort of walk us through sort of what the different types of, I guess, implementations of MFA uh, could look like. Yeah, I mean, uh, the most common form of MFA in the world um, for protecting online accounts 
the uh, is uh, is SMS. So you would receive an SMS code, and then uh, and then you would enter that code into that uh, uh, you know when you're accessing your online account. And the reason why it's popular is because many people have a phone. There's no enrollment process. Just put in your phone, and then and then you can access it. The problem with phones is that um, there are various attacks that take advantage of maybe a lack of scrutiny around identity that's tied to that number that can then be uh, that can be then be switched. You know the the so-called SIM swapping attacks. Um, I think increased regulation could actually solve that, and, and SMS could become a very secure method of MFA. But currently, it's it's not. There's nothing compelling uh, carriers to uh, to do that. Uh, so the more physical the method, the better the method. So if instead of using uh, a uh, an SMS, you use an email, that's also a virtual concept. Emails can also be uh, compromised. Uh, if you're using a smartphone, that's better because now uh, the, the token is on your smartphone. Uh, if you're using a hardware token like one of these guys, even better because now you have to steal the actual uh, hardware token. And then there are other types of hardware tokens um, these for advanced scenarios uh, called uh, security keys or U2F keys, where they um, uh, they actually prevent uh, types of phishing attacks as part of uh, performing the second factor. So, so there are a wide variety of ways to do a second factor. There's 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 some that are kind of created better than others, but for the general uh, public, any second factor is better than uh, uh, than nothing. Um, you you just get like a like a hundred x improvement if you just turn it on. Curious what else you join? What else you have on your desk there? You're just pulling up props left, right, and center. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, my phone. Like, we we have a hard, we have hardware tokens. So we so it's interesting because you know we thought that hardware tokens were kind of going by the wayside. Everyone would want to use push notifications or use a smartphone, and it turns out that um, uh, it's not the case. Because if you're an organization, if you are a moderately sized organization, you may run into bring your own device issues. Uh, or organizational uh, issues like, you know, in, employees don't want to use their personal phones. Well, if you want me to use my personal phone to log in, even if it's SMS uh, or, or a smartphone app that I already have installed, uh, I want you to subsidize my phone because I want a separation between my personal and, and my uh, business life. And so what can organizations do uh, in a cost-effective manner? And so we actually have branded hardware tokens that we sell at cost just to help uh, bridge that gap um, so that they... Uh, are still able to use multi-factor and not have to, you know, uh, uh, um, you know, at a, at, a, at a big cost. And we even recently released uh, a version that's uh, you could print on a piece of paper, so it's actually free. Uh, so an even like a poor man's version of a hardware token that you can print a piece of paper or have as a PDF. Uh, we call it a passcode grid, uh, just to kind of further uh, enable other uh, authentication uh, methods. And the idea is that if an administrator of an organization has all of these tools, they can address the myriad of organizational policies or restrictions that um, uh, that many have because they haven't, um, you know, their infrastructure was built out uh, or all of their policies were made without taking all of these cyber controls uh, into consideration. I absolutely love the, the good that you put into the community and, you know, in terms of uh, free things and free templates. And I want to ask about the free MFA assessment that, company is, is doing geared towards small businesses. Wondering if you can walk me through, walk us through what that is, why it's important, and how a bit small businesses can take advantage of that. Yeah. So what we we're trying to do was identify, you know, how can a small business take a bit of control back? You know, they, uh, they are seeing that these attacks are happening. Uh, it seems like it's very complicated for them to 
you know, prevent uh, those kind of breaches. And we want to kind of demystify that and show that actually you can identify uh, what uh, what what are some steps you can take in order to um, uh, add some control back. And so we have a, a, an MFA assessment program. Uh, it's a six step program uh, that helps you, uh, you know, uh, uh, identify the the assets in your infrastructure where you could uh, leverage MFA, uh, determine the level of access, um, verify what type of MFA is being used, uh, what are the MFA types, and then build a roadmap to ensure that you have kind of a comprehensive coverage with the right type of uh, uh, with the right type of MFA. That's absolutely fantastic. Like I, said, I love you know that you're focusing on the community, focusing on the small organizations that, as, as you said earlier. Um, you know, they don't have the uh, deep pockets to to lift up their security uh, capabilities or posture. So I think it's just wonderful to, to to keep arming them with things that they need to do to just stay competitive and stay secure. Yeah, and the and it goes beyond what uh, insurance would ask for because insurance is asking still like, do you have MFA? Do you use MFA here? Do you use it there? But insurance is still only concerned of um, their uh, uh, where where they see their breaches, but they're not necessarily looking for something comprehensive yet. One because none of their all of their clients are not going to have that; they won't be able to insure anyone. <laughs> and also because they're looking at it from a uh, you know cost benefit analysis. They they are not necess- They don't want to ask for too much, knowing that you might go to another insurance company that's not asking for as much. So this is kind of giving you that whole comprehensive uh, package. And even though it's six steps, it may seem like a lot. We actually broke everything down and built a tool called the MFA gap calculator. And it's, it's literally just a survey and it takes eight minutes to, uh, to go through. And it just asks, you know, uh, sort of few uh, questions. And then you get a report that identifies all the gaps and even gives you a roadmap, how you can fill those uh, gaps. Uh, we'll be sure to include the links and all the information for that when, when we uh, post the episode, but, uh, Diego, thank you as always. Um, absolutely fantastic conversation. Uh, uh, just absolutely incredible energy. Thank you for all that you do. And you've the, earned a part three. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've, Thanks. Thanks, Christian. You, you've, you've, you've earned an open door invitation. You, you, you come on anytime, Diego. We appreciate you so much. Thank you for being part of our community. And um, yeah, thank you again for a fantastic episode. And uh, Christian and I will take a momentary pause and we'll come back to wrap up today's episode. Diego just absolutely crushed that. Like he's, he's, he's just going to keep coming back to the show and just uh, keep outdoing sure. himself every single time. Uh, Definitely earned his spot. I know it's hard, but what was one key takeaway from that? <laughs> um, obviously, the insurance picture stands out to me and how he connected to their solution, uh, their MFA solution, and, and how beautifully they're laying out this process of the, uh, of the MFA gap assessment going beyond um, what insurance requires. I, I like his mentality there. Security. Um, does not equal compliance, or I should say compliance does not equal security. And I think he's living that out. Oh, for sure. And, and, and you know, I just really appreciate the good work he's putting into the community and putting out yeah. these types of tools, right, to help small businesses. So our, our thanks to uh, Diego for uh, coming on the podcast second time. Looking forward to the third one. Hopefully, Definitely. Like you said there, it's in, in person. In person. Uh, but uh, as always, we want, we want to extend a special thank you to our loyal listeners and uh, viewers who join us each and every week. If you did happen to miss a previous episode, do check out the Cybersecurity Matters YouTube page uh, or listen to old episodes on your preferred or favorite podcasting platform. Until next time, be well, be safe, and we'll see you again next time on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. <laughs>